Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Armand Lee, and thank you so much for listening to The Quarterly Report. We got another fun show this week. I'm going to be joined by my special guest, Rashad Mobley. He's an ESPN True Hoop writer for truthaboutit.net, a special Wizards blog in the DMV area. We're going to break down the NBA, and I'm going to ask him, what's the big fuss about DeMarcus Cousins? I am one of the few, it seems, who is not a part of the boogie hive. So I'm going to ask Rashad to see what is it that I'm missing. Also, we're going to break down Tim Tebow. Yes, the the man, the myth, the legend. Tim Tebow, his story continues to rise when it comes to baseball. And I'm going to argue in favor of more Tebow time. All that and so much more. But first, our number one story this week. Credibility is so important in all aspects of life. You know, not just when it comes to sports or entertainment, but in everything that you do and is being played out, you know, on full display for the world to see when it comes to this Ezekiel Elliott suspension by the NFL. For those of you who don't know, Ezekiel Elliott, the second year running back for the Dallas Cowboys, has been suspended six games for domestic violence. Now, it is important before I go further into kind of addressing what I'm seeing from this story is that we all got to understand, you know, no matter what you think happened or no matter if you're a Cowboys fan or a Zeke fan or whatever the case, domestic violence is a, is a serious issue. Um, it was, it's crazy to me. Like I probably go back like 10, 12 years when I really started to, to observe and ask the women in my life, there was so many women that I knew who had been victim of some type of domestic violence. It was it was really sobering. It took me aback a lot to see, to know so many women that I'm cool with, I'm close with, that I used to date or whatever, who had, had succumbed to this, you know, type of violence, man, this this awful epidemic really that goes on in our society. You know what I mean? So I wanna address this seriously but at the same time raise the concerns on all parties involved but we got to be careful and we got to be responsible because no matter how you feel about this specific case in regards to zeke we got to always remember the vast the overwhelming majority of women right who suffer who have fall victim to domestic violence number one they don't even they don't speak up because of the dangers and the fear, like this joint's real. And then the ones who do, the courageous ones, the overwhelming, overwhelming majority of women who come, who speak out about domestic violence, they are telling the truth. We have to start there, right? That has to be kind of like our reference point. You know, no matter the cases, and there have been several, you know, high profile cases, right? But our North Star, right, our reference point has to be that the overwhelming, the supreme overwhelming majority of women who voice, you know, who come out and speak out about domestic violence, they are not lying, all right? So I want to start there and then, you know, and be respectful because honestly, no matter the, the suspicions, no matter the credibility, and we're going to get to that in a second, we, we got to understand and treat that paramount. You know what I'm saying? Because, again, 
ask around, you know what I mean, to the women who who matter to you. And now I have a little girl in my life and I have to protect her from or do as best as I can to protect her from, you know, this awful type of situation that exists. But before I had a daughter, I had a sister. I had a mother, a grandmother, cousins, aunts, the whole nine, friends. And, you know, we got to do better, you know, in, in terms of that. But I start this off by talking about credibility because this situation, this specific case of domestic violence in regards to Ezekiel Elliott, there's a lot of there's a lot of shady credibility on all parties. All right. And we're going to start with Ezekiel Elliott. OK, because he is the man who was accused of putting his hands right in a violent manner on a woman. Now, unfortunately, we live in a world where information is everywhere. And no matter whether you think this lady is lying or telling the truth, her image and her name, they are out there on the Internet. And I'm uncomfortable with that because, again, we don't know the truth. But let's 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 look at what we do know. Ezekiel Elliott steadfast claims that he did not put his hands on this woman. Um, and he has presented evidence that we'll touch on in a second that suggests that she is trying to manipulate the situation and that he has done everything the correct way. However, we can't, we gotta be real here. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, his credibility is shaken at best. Let's not forget. We are just months removed. Remember St. Patrick's day, Ezekiel Elliott was partying at some rooftop bar. I don't remember where he was, but he was there with the young lady and unsuspecting to her. She has a bikini top on. He removes, you know, her bikini top, exposing her breast to the world. You know what I mean? The, it's on a camera phone, like people recorded it. It was on the news. They obviously edited, edited it out. But that in and of itself shows me at least. And I think if you're reasonable, shows the world that he has an issue with consent. You know what I mean? Just. That one image alone. Now, it's important to remember at that time he was still being investigated by the NFL. Okay? Now, his the legal world, the legal issue, he's not being prosecuted. They threw out the case because uh, the police department did not think that there was enough credible evidence to pursue an, a, full, a full investigation, right? So he has no, he's not being investigated criminally for this. He's, that, that case has been dismissed. <clears throat> but he was still under investigation by the NFL when he did that. So, number one, it makes me consider like, yo, why would you even be doing anything silly like that in the first place? But number two and more important, again, he struggles with consent. Because look, either he knew the woman or he didn't. You know? And it, you could tell by her expression when it happened that she didn't know he was doing it. He, he comes up from behind her, you know, his arm and just kind of pulls, pulls the bikini top down, exposing her, you know, and then she immediately covers up. Obviously, she, again, you could tell that she did not know that that was going to happen. Now, she may not have been offended. She may not have been that upset. She may obviously didn't want to press charges. But again, he did that not being given permission. 
And again, so either there was a woman he knew or it was a stranger. Ask yourself this. If you, for all you guys listening who are married or maybe engaged or in a committed relationship, if you're at a bar top with your wife or fiance or whomever, would you do that to her? Would you just expose her bare chest without asking? Of course you would. And that's doing it to a woman that you have committed your life to, that you've exchanged vows. We live in a society where there is no supposedly greater relationship than man and wife, husband and wife. So if you wouldn't do it to your wife, you, you clearly understand that there's something wrong there. And I would hope no one would do that to a stranger, a complete stranger, just boom, exposing her chest. I shouldn't have to tell anyone that that's wrong, right? Now, Ezekiel Elliott exposing a woman, whether it's a stranger or someone he knows, without their consent, that's not, that doesn't mean that he didn't beat his accuser in this domestic violence case. But it does paint a picture. It does provide some type of color into this greater story of Ezekiel Elliott. You know, we got to be mindful here. We have also know that during this investigation, Ezekiel Elliott allegedly beat the brakes off of a DJ in a nightclub. Now, you haven't, we haven't been able to find or hear from the DJ since then, but there have been witnesses that say this happened. So, again, just because Ezekiel Elliott gets in a fight at a nightclub doesn't mean that he beats up women, but it does show that he is prone, or he's not prone, but he is not against physical violence, right? Again, that does not mean that he didn't beat this woman, his accuser, but it provides a little bit of color to a picture, you know? So it's fair to say that Ezekiel Elliott's credibility is not pristine. There are some questionable decisions when it comes to Ezekiel Elliott, both with consent and with violence. I'm just leaving it at that, right? Because again, we don't know. It's fair to say that credibility with Ezekiel Elliott is not, it's not stable, right? There is some credibility issues. Unfortunately, with this whole situation, his accuser has some credibility issues. Now, I, again, I'm not one to uh, victim blame, and I understand coming forward, right, and saying that you were uh, attacked by anybody, a man, anyone, let alone a famous man, that's got to be difficult, okay? So I, I'm, I'm trying to be careful when I'm, when I'm saying this, but this stuff has been presented not only by Ezekiel Elliott's camp, but the police department have, has also done this, right? This part of the investigation. The woman's friend has a sworn testimony saying that not only did she not see Ezekiel Elliott put his hands on her friend ever, but that her friend, her friend, the alleged victim, asked her to lie to the police and say that she did see Ezekiel Elliott, you know, attack violently her friend. This is a sworn testimony now. There's also text messages from the alleged victim to Ezekiel Elliott saying that one, she was going to ruin his career. Again, that doesn't mean that Ezekiel Elliott didn't put his hands on her. 
There's also text messages saying, showing that the alleged victim texting Ezekiel Elliott that he needs to be smart about this when Ezekiel Elliott did not want to let her into a party. There's also text messages from the alleged victim saying to Ezekiel Elliott, quote, you are a black man and I am a white woman. No one will believe you. So again, <laughs> you have the sworn testimony from her friend saying that the alleged victim asked her to lie to the police about seeing Ezekiel Elliott put her hands on her. There are multiple texts suggesting that she is trying to ruin Ezekiel Elliott's career. There are texts that suggest that she was upset that Ezekiel Elliott did not allow her into a party. And then there's the text that suggests that says that it's going to be, he said, she said instance or case. And because Ezekiel Elliott is black and she is white, no one will believe Zeke. All of that. Plus the fact that her friend's sworn testimony also says that she got the alleged victim got into a fight with someone else at a bar during the, the, the time frame that she alleges Ezekiel Elliott hit her, that the bruises that have been checked out by, you know, hospital people at the hospitals, doctors, etc., that they came from a fight with someone else, not Ezekiel Elliott, and that the alleged victim told her friend who again has a sworn testimony. Again, I'm not in the business of victim blaming because I know domestic violence is real. Again, the vast majority of women who fall victim to this don't speak out because of the horrors of domestic violence, the fear, the legit fear. This is real. And because of the backlash, you know, they don't want their personal lives thrown out in, in front of the world. And, you know, it can be very embarrassing. Obviously, the women who do speak out overwhelmingly are telling the truth. We have to understand that. But yes, we don't live in a perfect society, obviously, if we're talking about domestic violence. So yes, there are some women who will lie. Is this woman lying? We don't know. But her credibility is questionable, right? Because of all the things I've laid forth. So Ezekiel Elliott has a questionable, you know, his credibility is easily questioned because his his difficulty understanding consent and his history of using violence as is the alleged victim because of her friend's sworn testimony and the text messages that have been, you know, have been seen by not only the NFL, but the police department, you know, so there's questions all around. Who can we believe? Who do we trust? But unfortunately for the NFL, they have put themselves in a position where their credibility is worse than both Ezekiel Elliott and his alleged uh, victim, his accuser. Because we all know about the NFL's checkered past when it comes to their investigations, number one, and their investigations when it comes to domestic violence specifically. You know, last year, Josh Brown was suspended one game, even though he admit, admitted to hitting his wife multiple times. Ray Rice, I want to say he got suspended two games for the infamous, you know, Atlantic City incident with his now wife. There was a video of him literally dragging his unconscious 
fiance's body out of the elevator. And obviously there was another video that the NFL didn't even seek to get. TMZ was able to get it. So here's the tricky thing, right? Because a lot of people, a lot of Cowboys fans, or just a lot of people in general will be like, well, you know what? The law didn't press any charges. The NFL, they shouldn't press any charges either. And I disagree with that vehemently. Because remember, Ray Rice, there were no charges pressed against Ray Rice. When he clearly beat his now wife, right? Punched his now wife. I mean, this type of stuff is unacceptable. You know what I mean? So just because there are no charges pressed, you know, charges pressed against you does not mean that the NFL should just wipe their hands clean. Of course not. So you can't just fall back on the legal side of things. But also, you know, the NFL, this is the bed they've made. No one will trust the NFL. No matter their decision, there are questions on both sides. And the NFL has jumped in, as they should. You know, they're a private league. They can do whatever they want. And have suspended Ezekiel Elliott six games. But Ezekiel Elliott is hell-bent on proving that he's innocent. And if he didn't do it, he should be, right? For the NFL's sake, they better hope there is not a smoky gun from Ezekiel Elliott's camp. You know, they better hope that there's not something else. Because, again, they've investigated this for over a year now. So all this evidence that Ezekiel Elliott is providing you would hope it doesn't come as, as as a shock to the NFL because they were investigating it for so long. But there's a little funny thing that's going on now that the NFL, they say they have all this evidence, right? And if, again, if you investigate something for over a year, you would hope there's evidence. But they're not releasing any of it. Now, I understand, you know, this is a very sensitive topic, subject, you know, this woman is alleging that she was beat by not just anybody. I mean, a football player, number one, but one of the more famous football players in the world. So, yes, you have to you have to deal with this delicately because of her privacy. But the NFL has consistently, even in its domestic violence cases, provided their evidence and they're not doing it now. So that only leads to if if you want to. Be skeptical of the NFL. You're now just been given more fuel to to be. You understand? Because they're not providing their evidence. Where Ezekiel Elliott is trying to to yell and speak to anybody who can listen. Look, look at what I'm what I'm trying to show you guys. This is why I'm telling you I didn't do this. Now, again, it's important to reinforce Ezekiel Elliott is not an angel in this situation. Again, he has issues with consent. And he has had issues with violence. All of this, all the while he is being investigated by the NFL. So, again, his credibility is not pristine. But neither is his accuser. And this is a dangerous thing because it goes on to the idea of the quote-unquote perfect victim. You know? And that, that, for those who don't know, is like the perfect victim is essentially, you know, when people are trying to victim blame and they say, okay, well, this person did this, 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 you know, they're, they're a bad person. You understand? It happens often. You know, they did it with Trayvon Martin. You know, he got obviously killed. And then they try to bring up, you know, him smoking marijuana, him getting, you know, kicked out of school for that. Or and it happens all the time in domestic violence cases or many of 
instances that lead into like rape claims, right? They say, oh well, you know, she may look at what she was wearing, or she was she did this with another person, or she was you know sexually active, as if that means that that person can't be raped. You know what I mean? It's it's a really bad situation that happens all the time. So we want to make sure we are not doing that in this situation. But it is fair to say that there are questionable scenarios about every party involved. And of course, the NFL is on the precipice of stepping right into the biggest pile of you know what, because no one trusts them. They have used up all their equity, all of their goodwill, especially in cases of domestic violence, because they have fumbled it on such a large display so many times. No one trusts the NFL, but even though they are trying to do the right thing, and that could be disputed, number one, you could be sit, you could sit if you're a cynic and say, you know what, the NFL is going very hard on Zeke because they've messed up so many times in the past. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to get it all right on one shot. But that's not that's not justice. You should just try to get it right. Admit your mistakes and just try to get it right moving forward. But let's say they are. Let's say they're literally trying to legitimately get this right. They better hope they do because there's no goodwill left. There is zero. They have no more benefit of the doubt. So if Ezekiel Elliott does have a smoking gun to clear his name, you mean to tell me the NFL will spend a year investigating something that was a sham? Woo. That's tough. But this is how life works, right? If you're a guy, you know, you may have you know, did your old lady wrong. You stepped out on her a few times. But the moment you're ready to be committed, the moment you're ready to, to, to say no, to turn down temptation, uh, a woman from your past will send you, text you a pic, you know, send you a little something, something that you don't even want, that you didn't even ask for. And, of course, that's the moment where the girl that you're trying to do right by now sees it and then she's done with you, right? It happens like that. That's how life works. The NFL has had ample time to get domestic violence right. Think about it. Josh Brown, that's an easy case. That's a slam dunk. Ray Rice, that was an easy case. Slam dunk. Greg Hardy, slam dunk. Those are three of the biggest profiled cases that the NFL has seen over the last five years. And they, they messed up on all three of them. So now that they have a legit difficult case on their hands, they are literally, again, ready to step in it if they got this wrong. And no one will give them the benefit of the doubt because they have messed up so many times, so flagrantly in the past. What did Major Payne tell me when I was a kid, man? You want sympathy for me? Look in the dictionary between and syphilis. I got no sympathy for the NFL. And neither should you, because this is the bed that they've made. And now that they actually have a difficult decision on their hands, you got to jump in that bed. We'll see. We'll see how this all plays out. Again, Ezekiel Elliott is appealing the suspension. And we'll, he, he, and he steadfast says that he has evidence to suggest that will clear his name. For the NFL's sake, they better hope he doesn't. Because if they get this one wrong, all, all credibility moving forward as long as Roger Goodell is commissioner can be thrown away completely, never to come back again. 
Thank you all for coming back again to listen to this week's episode of the Quarterly Report. Make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'm at Armon, A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee, L-E-E. And follow the show as well. We're at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. Went about super long on that topic, but I really wanted to make sure I was, I was, I treated that with the necessary delicate nature you know what I mean? And grace that it deserves because it's a complex issue, man. Domestic violence is real. Whether she is telling the truth or not, whether Ezekiel Elliott is telling the truth or not, it's a tricky, it's a tricky situation. And life always, always, or more times than not, finds itself in the gray. You know, things aren't always a black and white, good versus bad situation. And a lot of times you find yourself in gray areas. And this case seems to be that. But the NFL... Hopefully, they, they've learned from their past mistakes, but I'm not too confident. However, one thing I am confident about is that I'm Armand Lee, and yes, you are listening to The Quarterly Report. Thank you so much for listening in to this episode. Remember, we are interactive. There are so many ways now that you can interact with the show, get in contact with me. You can follow the show on Twitter. We're at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. You can email us now. Again, our email address is quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report at gmail.com. We're also on SoundCloud. All you got to do, all you SoundCloud listeners, search the quarterly report. Again, quarterly spelled Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. And you can listen listen to the show there. We put it up every Thursday. It's a new episode. So there's so many ways that you can listen and get in contact with me and engage with the show i love to hear your feedback. But we just had a, a pretty heavy, a pretty tough conversation about Ezekiel Elliott and domestic violence. So let's lighten the mood with none other than Tim Tebow with our second topic this week. Second quarter. I don't care what any of y'all say. I'm all for Tim Tebow. And I know that's not the, you know, the most popular opinion. And I understand that he was vastly overrated as a quarterback in the NFL. And he was awful. You know, without question, he was an awful quarterback that got chance after chance. But damn it, I enjoy Tim Tebow. So when I see Tim Tebow in the minor leagues, playing baseball, hitting home runs, I'm excited. I can't wait. There's only one thing that I want for the New York Mets. And I'm, a, and I'm speaking as someone who's not a fan of the Mets, not a fan of baseball. Call up Tim Tebow. Oh! Oh, look. Well, you know what? Considering recent events, devil, I knew you couldn't be that far away. Hey, don't look at me. I'm not responsible for that mess. Y'all have something far more sinister than even me going down there. I'm not saying any names, but I digress. Let's play our little game to alleviate the stress of the world. All right, bet. Best idea you've ever had. All right, man, tell me, who am I playing devil's advocate for this week? Tim Tebow getting called up to the bigs. Huh? Hold on. Wait, what? You, the devil, want me to play devil's advocate and argue on behalf of Tim Tebow? What can I say? 2017 is a mother I know what some of y'all are thinking. Man, Armo, what are you talking about, Tim Tebow? What you rocking with Tim Tebow for? Hey, man, look. 
I never had a problem with Tim Tebow. And you know what? A lot of people don't like the fact that he's playing baseball. But I can't knock him for that. If that's a goal that he has, go for it. Just like I couldn't get mad. I remember when Michael Jordan went into play baseball and he went in the minors. And Bo Jackson got all super mad that Michael Jordan was just gifted an opportunity to play. I can't get mad at Michael Jordan if the White Sox wanted to let him play. Just like I can't get mad at Tim Tebow for the Mets giving him an opportunity. And with that opportunity, Timmy, you know, he, he tried to do his thing. I'm looking at his numbers now. What? His batting average in the minors is 226. His OBS is 311. You know, he's got eight home runs and 50 RBIs at the minors. You know, I don't think that's relatively good considering how much older he is than most of those guys. But you know what? Forget the numbers. And I know I'm the analytical statistic guy, but forget the numbers. Don't tell me in the world where Mike Trout is the best baseball player walking this earth, walking this planet. And if Mike Trout walked into your grocery store right now, many of you would have no idea what he looked like. Baseball doesn't need more great players. And again, the Mets, they're not playing for anything. You know what baseball needs? Baseball needs stars. I live in D.C. Bryce Harper just hurt his knee. He'll be out for a few weeks. Giancarlo Stanton, you know, he's he's a star in Miami where no one watches baseball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Aaron Judge, all rise. Remember how great he was at the beginning of the season? He wins the home run derby, fell off a cliff. Baseball needs stars. And who's a bigger star than Tim Tebow right now? Come on, man. Don't. And, and this is the thing. Listen to this. If you're listening to my voice right now and you don't want Tim Tebow in the majors, ask yourself this question. If he played for the Mets on a Sunday night or a Sunday night, you know, ESPN broadcast or a Saturday matinee, would you watch? You damn right you would. <laughs> and and think about just the spectacle it would be. Tim Tebow at the plate in New York for the Mets. You know what I'm saying? Oh, sign me up. And like, I feel like Tim Tebow has been the, I don't want to call him a victim because he's not a victim. But a lot of the hate for Tim Tebow isn't really because of him. It's because of other people. You know what I mean? It wasn't his fault that Skip Bayless went crazy when, you know, the Broncos went to the playoffs and they beat the Steelers. Like Tim Tebow didn't make Skip Bayless lose his damn mind. That's been a process that's been going on for years now. It wasn't Tim Tebow's fault that the Jets gave him a chance. And then after that failed, the Patriots gave him a chance. And then after that failure, the uh, or before, the Eagles gave him a shot. Right? It's not Tim Tebow's fault that everybody keeps on giving him opportunities to fail at being a quarterback. And it's not Tim Tebow's fault that he was a first-round pick. The Broncos chose to select him with the first round pick as a quarterback. That's not his fault. Now, you know, some people may be, you know, some people may be turned off with the the religious thing, but I will say this. Tim Tebow doesn't flaunt or throw his religion at people and in their faces like other people do. You know, I'm a Knicks fan. I remember in the late nineties, Charlie Ward would always throw his religion at people's faces. Kurt Warner, you know, he may not have done it, but his wife did. You know what I mean? And other religions too. Like, I like my Abdul Rauf, right? 
Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. He doesn't throw his religion in his face. If you ask him about it, he'll he'll give you his thoughts, but he doesn't throw it at you. And Tebow, he doesn't. You know he's Christian, but he's not running around here telling people that, you know, they're going to burn in hell for their sins and that they need to repent. He's just playing sports. That's it. You can't get mad at him for that. So look, man, sign me up. I'm serious. I'm dead ass right now. If Tim Tebow were to be called up for the Mets, I would watch as many Mets games as I probably have ever watched in my entire life. I'm just, I'm dead ass serious. I'm all for Tim Tebow. Why and why would you not be? Like he's not hurting anybody. He's chasing his dreams, you know. And he is deep down he knows he's probably not gonna be a big leaguer. But why not? What is there to lose? Once again, good argument for Tebow Armand. You know. I'll never forgive the Jets for ruining my opportunity to corrupt Timmy. So having him back in NYC one more time is my ultimate goal. <laughs> Best believe I won't miss again. Oh, Slim, of course, there's always an ulterior motive when it comes with you, huh? Exactly, Armand. Just imagine. Why do I keep coming back to your show? What? <laughs> All right, man, Slim, whatever. Give me my Bible. We're done. Get out of here. Damn devil. As I was saying, look, man, say what you will about Tim Tebow, the football player, but we all had an opinion on him, you know, whether it was good or bad. And look, make no mistake, he wasn't a good quarterback. We all understand that. But we still watched and we still formed opinions. And we only did that because we cared about it. You know what I mean? You don't you don't have strong opinions on things you don't care about. You understand? And the fact that we all have an opinion one way or the other on Tim Tebow only speaks to just how big of a star he is. And like I was saying, baseball doesn't have many stars. Bryce Harper is in my opinion, clearly their biggest star and the sport tries to suppress it. His, you know, his star power. Tim Tebow is a star and he's not running around, you know what I mean? Trying to show people up. He's, he's what baseball, like the purest would love. You know what I mean? He doesn't flaunt his hair. He doesn't, you know what I mean? Stare at his home run swings. If he even will have one on the big leagues, which he probably wouldn't, you know what I mean? I, I honestly can't think of one reason why it wouldn't be an overwhelming success. It'd be the first regular season baseball game that I would have watched on television if Tim Tebow got called up. Like that first game, imagine the ratings. Man, Rob Manfred better be on the phone as we speak, begging the Mets to call him up. <laughs> Anyway, man, that's the first half. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed it. We've had some serious issues and some fun, but that's kind of what we do here on the Quarterly Report. Please make sure you follow the show on Twitter. We're at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E Show. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Again, all you have to do is search Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. -E -E. You'll see the show's icon. It's my face on a coin. You click it and subscribe, and while you're at it, Leave me a message and rate the show. Let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't, and give me a rating. How many stars 
what you like about the show again and what you don't. And you can communicate with me directly. The show has its own Gmail account. All you have to do is email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Send me your ideas, things you want to hear me talk about, things you are you agree with me with, and things you disagree with me with. You've got all the ways to get in contact with me and the show. We want to hear from you. We want to be interactive with you guys as well. All right, man. So y'all know what time it is. You heard the horn. It means it's time for halftime. And look, man, the sports calendar, it's been slow the last few weeks. But before you know it, it'll be football season, then hockey and basketball season, then the baseball playoffs. So you got to get your hot takes ready. And what better way to get your hot takes ready than the hot take microwave? Enjoy. Man, I'm super nervous about this party. I want to make a really good first impression. Hey, don't be nervous. Make sure you're the life of the party by having great hot takes with the Hot Take Microwave. Hot Take Microwave? What does it do? You want to make a great impression and leave a mark on this party? You got to make sure you've got some hot takes. And I'm here to help. Give me your thoughts on Mayweather McGregor. I mean... Connor's not a boxer. He's going to lose to Floyd. Boring. Nobody wants to hear that at a party. But with the hot take microwave and its three settings, we'll have you leaving memorable takes in no time. Listen, let's use that same take, but with the hot take microwave using the Kellerman setting. Kellerman setting? Yes, the Kellerman setting. Or mild and slightly hyperbolic. McGregor has no shot versus Floyd. In fact, Connor won't come close to even landing a single punch. Wow, that take is way better than mine. Right, but if that's not hot enough for you, try the Stephen A. Smith or the steaming hot setting. Floyd Mayweather, Money Mayweather, the best defensive fighter of all time. He's gonna crush Connor McGregor. But I can see Connor McGregor possibly knocking out Floyd in the first few rounds. Wow, I just said a bunch of words, but I really didn't say anything. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so what's the third setting? It's the most dangerous setting of them all. So unpredictable, we have you sign a waiver before using it. It's the skip or burning hot lava. Listen. Not only will Connor beat Floyd, but he'll knock him out within the first two rounds. In fact, Connor would outbox Floyd with one hand tied behind his back. Wow, that's a take. I'll be sure to leave an impression now. Thanks, Hot Take Microwave. Order now. Yeah, man, it looks like hot takes. They're always in style, so make sure your hot takes are up to par. You want to impress people. All right, man, but you know what? That was halftime, and the first half is already in the book. So we've got two quarters left, and we're going to start things off with our guest this week. Super excited about this, Rashad Mobley from TruthAboutIt.net. Third quarter. He is an ESPN True Hoop writer for TruthAboutIt.net, a Wizards blog for all you hoop heads out there. Rashad Mobley is my guest this week. Rashad, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining me on the Quarterly Report. Not a problem. I guess I should start off by saying if anybody follows me, I apologize for 
my uh, I've basically been dormant this summer, taking care of family things, but I, I'm going to ramp it up this week. Oh, man, you already know it's all good. When summertime comes, you got to spend time with the family, so we all can understand that. But let's get to the NBA, which, you know, we both love. You cover the Wizards for a living. As crazy as it sounds, we're only a few months away from the start of the season. And the big news that came out this week was the release of the NBA schedule. And, you know, you cover the Wizards. We both live in the area. One thing that kind of jumped out at me was the fact that the Wizards are on national television 18 times this year, I believe. And, you know, it's a big deal for Wizards fans around the world, especially in this area. So I want to know from you, you know, why do you think after so many years of not being on national television, not being on full display, are the Wizards now, you know, prominently positioned on a national uh, spotlight? And what do you do? What do you think that does uh, for the Wizards as an organization as they try to become a powerhouse? Well, I would say it's because John Wall had such a spectacular year last year, but he's been kind of trending upwards the past few years, so I don't think that's it. I think it has to do with the Boston Wizards series. Right. And not just the playoff series, but just how it's progressed over over last season with the funeral game and the feistiness. I think that that's a legitimate rivalry. It's not something that has to be contrived or something that the media is hyping up. I mean, you've heard Marquise Morris and John Wall and Crowder and Isaiah Thomas, what I would say, we don't like them and they don't like us. Um, now, part of that is just a little gamesmanship because we know Wall and, and Isaiah Thomas do talk in the offseason, but for the most part, when those teams step on the court, they don't like each other, uh, right. except for the Morris, Morris Twins, of course. So, you know, that you don't have to hype that up. You can put that on any day of the week on any network, and it's going to be a big story. It just so happens it seems like the national media has caught on to it and puts it on there. So this is this is the best week ever or a couple of weeks ever for John Wall because he got his money, he's getting more exposure, and now he's going to find himself with having a lot more pressure to produce. So uh, in terms of what it means for Washington overall, it just means that they have the opportunity to get back to where they were in terms of when Paul Pitts was here and where they were must, you know, everybody knew about them and knew what the Wizards brought to the table. So that kind of lasted a little bit over the past few years. So they, they have a chance, provided they play well and they actually do something significant to kind of keep this keep this going in terms of national exposure once again i'm joined by espn true hoop writer for truthaboutit.net rashad mobley make sure you follow him on twitter he's at rashad 20 that's r-a-s-h-a-d two zero so we were just talking about how you know nationally it seems as if they're starting to to pick up on the buzz that the wizards are creating however locally it's it's still kind of weird at least for me right um you know, in my years working with CSN and they're the, the broadcast partner of the Wizards, I was always kind of, I don't know um, if shocked is the right word, but I was always surprised uh, at how the team was covered. You know what I mean? I, I, I was there when the caps, the rise of the caps and the Capitals have been able to sustain that. I was there when the Nats came back and, you know, there was a, a an immediate little bump, but then the Nats got really good and, They've been able to sustain their popularity, and we already know about the football team. So I was always wondering, like, you know, mainstream, whether it's television or definitely sports talk radio, why the Wizards aren't covered and why it seems as if they're like the redheaded stepchild, if you will. Because, and maybe it's just my bubble, 
But everywhere I go, whether it's with family, friends, if I'm out at the club or at the grocery store, the barbershop, you name it, people are talking about the NBA and the Wizards specifically. But I don't feel like that really translates to, you know, the mainstream sports market in the area. So I want to know why do you think that is, or if do you believe that's the case in, you know, how in your circles? And if you do, why do you think it's so? Well, I, I mean, I, I think the Wizards have it tough because hockey fans tend to be a little more rabid, specifically Capitals fans. So hockey is not necessarily about how well the team does, but the, the experience of going to the game, you know, having a beverage or two, and then if they're good, you get hyped up. If they get to the playoffs, they get even more hyped up. And even when they don't, when they fall short, you right. feel so strongly about it that you're going to be back next year. The Washington football team is in its own category, but they've actually won something. Not recently, but they've right. actually won something. And so those core fans who are presumably older now have passed it down to their kids and the hope that they can return to that, to those glory days of the 80s and early 90s, that's what keeps the fans crazy. The Wizards, the people who were around when the Wizards won their title in the late 70s don't necessarily still have that. I mean, they're old, you know, right. to be honest here. And so what you have is a series of teases where – the Weber-led bullets got to a certain point and fell off. You had Arenas and um, Karan and Haywood get to a certain point, and then they fell off. That team didn't just fall off. It fell off in such an unceremonious way that, you know, players went to jail. They got all kind of attention in the wrong way. And now even when Paul Pierce was here, they got to a point where it seemed like things were ramping up, and then they kind of took a step back. And so when you're constantly in third or sometimes even fourth place, depending on how well the Nationals are doing, it, it's hard to gain momentum. And as you know from having worked for a network, your product, your, what you produce is driven by what fans want to hear, what they want to read. And right. it's just hard to get excited about the Wizards for a same period of time. I started covering the team in 2008. Um, in fact, the first game I went to, I – accidentally bumped into Eddie Jordan and his wife, who's now a Potomac housewife. So that's how long I've been around. But at that time, the team was going through one – they were going through a down period. I mean, Arenas was hurt. Nobody knew when he was going to come back. Eddie Jordan was fired. It was just a – the whole situation was in flux. And I remember, you know, from that point up until – well, when John Wall came here, there was a, an excitement. But right. then a little while after John Wall came – there was a real cynicism among the truth about it writers. Like we weren't just writing about the, the wizards. We had to kind of suppress our, our cynicism, you know, right. try not to be too smart about the team, try not to be too critical about um, Ernie Grafell. And so, you know, you lead, all those factors lead to it's not really popular to speak about the wizards. But I will say this, and this is kind of tying in the schedule too. If you looked at the schedule, if you – well, looking at the schedule sometimes is silly because you can't account for injuries and injuries, all other right. kind of things. But we're in the silly business, so I'm going to proceed. <laughs> right. So if you look at the schedule, conceivably the Wizards could start off 14-2. and two. Now, let's create a situation where let's say the Washington football team starts off badly. Kirk Cousins starts looking like Jay Cutler. And there <laughs> is, you know, it just looks like the fans are just disheartened and then in October they look at this Wizards team and they're fourteen and two, they're on national T V, they're playing well. This could easily switch. I mean John Wall and 
um, Bradley Bill are playing well too. This could easily switch, and all of a sudden, the Wizards could gain a little bit of momentum. You know, maybe they can get a band album going. So, right. I think that this is a crucial year. You have a superstar in Wall, people who are paid like superstars in Otto Porter, a budding superstar in Bill, and this this can change very quickly. So I don't. I'll agree. The cover sucks. It's not where it should be, but the ball. Excuse the pun, but the ball is in the Wizards court right now. Once again, I'm here with Rashad Mobley. He's an ESPN True Hoop writer for truthaboutit.net. Make sure you check out all the dope stuff at the website and make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Rashad20. Uh, this will be the last question for you this week. Uh, as I said in previous episodes, I am like an NBA nerd when it comes to analytics and all the advanced stats. I swear by it. It's my compass when it comes to player evaluations. Despite what you may hear or read on other platforms, I'm a black man, and yes, we do exist. We do like analytics as well. But that's beside the point. One of the players, however, that is, I don't want to say shocking, but is I always find it curious, the level of, I guess, devotion, right? The number of people who are so devoted and so and the number of people who are so much in in love with the the skills of the Marcus Cousins. I don't know about you, but all year, all this past season, people were talking about getting Boogie to DC. And you know, putting aside the salary cap implications because only a trade can do that. I I'm, I'm just baffled at the fact that so many people are this intrigued with the guy who has had such little success as a pro. Um, he's clearly talented, but I question how productive he is. Do you ever wonder why so many people, not just locally, but nationally, love the Marcus Cousins, and specifically in this area? Why is there such a uh, a following, a, a backing to bring the Marcus Cousins to D.C.? Well, in terms of where I stand, I think he's Rasheed Wallace. I think yeah. in the right situation, if he has respect for the people around him and if he's motivated and he's in shape, he's a beast. He, yeah. he can take you to a title. I think that's, you know, I'm not, nobody can argue that. Absolutely. He's definitely talented. I don't, I don't want to make it seem like I don't think he's a talented player. But I always say this. There's a difference between talent and production. And you can't question his talent, but you absolutely you almost have to question his productivity considering he doesn't win. Right, I agree. And it hasn't necessarily been harnessed. It hasn't been coached properly. And frankly, he's at fault too because he acts like a little baby. You know, <laughs> so there's some maturity there that hasn't happened yet, which is why the Rasheed Wallace comparison is so on point. Right. But, well, I shouldn't pat myself on the back like that. But that's why I made the comparisons, what I meant to say. <laughs> but <laughs> in terms of why they romanticize him in this area, just, just ask yourself, when is the last time you walked into any game this season and Gortat's tenure and felt like you looked at your <laughs> opposing team and said, okay, this is a Gortat night. Get him the ball. Feed him the ball. It, it, it's never happened. Yeah. You know, I think Wall loves it. I mean, one of the reasons why he didn't say, you know, let's say he went to Otto Porter and said bring Paul George as opposed to looking at Gortat and say bring in Boogie is because Wall benefits from all the dirty work that Gortat does. You know, the right. high screens, the rebounding, kicking the ball out, the outlet passes, especially on the rolls to the basket. Wall benefits from that a great deal in terms of his scoring and assists. So he appreciates the matchups. But 
if you also pay attention to post-game body language and even in-game body language, you know that there are times where his body language towards Gortat is way more demonstrative than it is for any other team member because he just gets angry. Yeah. And he plays at the end of the game. So if you keep that in the back of your mind and you look at the fact that Wall played with Boogie and Collins, they're still cool. And Wall is like the best bargain chip you have to get him here. And people are going to romanticize it. Plus, they want to have a big man where you can go in and you can look at Wall, be on Porter, and say, you know, you can rest. We're going we're gonna to let Boogie take it tonight. We're going to let him get, get 35 and 20 or whatever. Right. So I don't – if I'm thinking, I can't remember the last time the Wizards had a big man like that. Nene was great, but again, he faded at the end of games, and he, yeah. he was very off-putting with all the, the guy Jesus talked sometimes. It was smart for people. <laughs> uh, Brendan Hayward was not that kind of a center. He was a glorified role player. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm right. struggling to think of a dominant. I mean, Weber was there, but, he, you know, Weber spent, what, how many years saying he didn't want to play center? Yeah, you know? yeah. So, Boogie is a legitimate big man who loves to play down low, who also, especially in the past two years, has learned how to come out and shoot the three. Now, I know he's inefficient, and I know that the numbers will show he's not always the best player to have, but the optics, especially for the common fan, oh, we got a real big man, and that's why they look at him and say, we we, we got to get Boogie here. Once again, this is Rashad Mobley. He is the ESPN True Hoop writer for truthaboutit.net. Make sure you check out all the dope stuff on their website and Make sure you follow Rashad on Twitter. He's at Rashad20. Rashad, man, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report. My pleasure. All right, so we got three quarters in the books. We got one quarter left. Let's finish up strong as we're going to stay on the hardwood with our last topic this week. Fourth quarter. It seems to be an ever-growing divide when it comes to the culture of professional football and the and professional basketball, which seems weird to me. I mean, and, and you can throw baseball in there as well, professional baseball, which seems quite odd. You know what I mean? Um, you know, like I said, I, I'm in my mid-30s. I probably speak for everyone 30 and up. You know, that the sports, while extremely different, right, baseball, football, basketball, that viewership and participation especially again talking about a generation people 30 years old to like let's say 50 we all grew up playing those three sports speaking in general right if you're around my age if you're something like me you know i played baseball before i played any other sport i fell in love with basketball before you know anything but i played basketball later in life and then you know, I dabbled in, you know, like anybody who played football for a few few years. You know what I mean? Like, the idea, like, knowledge of the sport, I would say even casual understanding of the sport, those three sports kind of go hand in hand. Hockey is, I know it's part of the big four, but it's a bit different. You know, I don't know that many people grew growing up personally who played hockey. You know what I mean? Soccer is probably more so with the younger generation. People play soccer as they play basketball and football and baseball, or whatever. And then you have your friend sports like boxing and tennis and golf and those and those sorts. But football, ba- baseball, and basketball are kind of like this country's trinity. You know what I mean? Football obviously is the far superior or far more popular sport. But those three sports, 
You know what I mean? They they go when you think of the big three, you think of those sports. You know, when you think of like you can name like teams for those sports probably quicker than you can in any other sports or the best players. You know what I mean? Like in this country with our culture, this generation, those three go hand in hand. But as I get older, I start to see just how different basketball specifically is compared to the other two. Like not necessarily like, I'm not talking about play, you know what I mean? Not like the quality or what you like, but just the culture. You know what I mean? I talked about this a little bit earlier when you've got baseball where you have personalities, but the sport for some reason tries to suppress them. And in my opinion, at least, you know, I had no data to back this up, but it seems as if it's coming at the expense of growing the game, especially pushing it to a younger audience, a younger generation. You know, how many times are we going to talk about the length of baseball and this of their games, right? And the same people saying, hey, it's it's the purity of the game, yada, yada, yada. And I get that. But I also understand that, you know, me, one of the reasons why I'm not a big baseball fan is because I don't feel like spending three plus hours watching the game. And it is, in my opinion, my taste, a little bit too slow. Football has this whole morality complex where they feel like the shield is this pure, you know, literal literal shield that protects the sanctity of the sport and speaks to the country and all these other things that honestly I don't really need to hear from something that I watch for entertainment. You know, I don't need my entertainment to have this kind of morality complex where they feel that they're far more important than what they really are. And football, they take itself so, so serious. You know what I mean? I mean, luckily, they're they're just now starting to kind of back off their their hard stance of celebrations. Think about it. These guys play in uniforms with mascots on their helmet and on the field with pyrotechnics and all this other stuff, cheerleaders. But and the sport is dealing with, you know, severe injuries that we really don't know yet they're governing how much you can dance after scoring a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, that that just is so crazy to me. And then you got the NBA. It, the NBA is like the, the hippie child, you know what I mean? The, the, the youngest of three sons, and it's just kind of just went its own way. You know what I mean? Like, the NBA does all types of crazy stuff that I'm sure years ago we thought were crazy, but now it's just deemed progressive, and it's a much – more, you know, it's much more geared to the younger, the newer generation. You know what I mean? They don't take itself too seriously. They they let their stars be stars. And by the in and overall, they kind of take a step back and they understand. Okay, people are watching the players. You know, football famously has the 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 cliche. You know. People come for the name on the front of the jersey and not the name on the back. Where basketball is literally the complete opposite. You know what I mean? I mean, hell, the Yankees don't even have names on the back of their jerseys. Where basketball, you you better hope the fans know the name on the back of the jersey. Now, I say all that kind of to set the table. Because this week, I saw just such an interesting story. It's amazing. And considering 
like I said, the culture of the sports. You ever have something where you see something instantly and the first moment, the first thought that comes in your mind is like, man, that's crazy. That's shocking. Wow, I didn't expect that. And the more and more you think about it, you're like, eh, it really isn't that shocking now that I put some thought behind it. I'm going to read you this headline from slamonline.com. Adam Silver, NBA, quote, open to legalizing medical marijuana. So you hear that. And basketball is clearly, of the four major sports, the less difficult on your body. You know, baseball, you could say, you know, baseball, these guys, they're not necessarily the most active, but they play 160-some-odd games a year. You know what I mean? And with limited days off, that that takes its toll. You know what I mean? Their offseason is literally just a handful of months. We already know hockey, good God, man. These dudes, it's, <laughs> hockey is such a, it, it's a beautiful sport to watch. And that's one of the things that I've loved the most about living in this area. I've grown to appreciate hockey more because I never watched hockey as a kid. But hockey is incredibly violent. I mean, these dudes are crushing each other on the ice. You know what I mean? Checking each other against the boards. Blocking the puck. Getting all types of bruised news and teeth. And football, literally, scientists have compared to just getting in several car accidents over and over again. That's, that's what they compare football to. Yet the only sport that has been this progressive what the commissioner openly says, you know what? Yeah, we're open to seeing, to letting our players use medical marijuana. Adam Silver goes on to say, you know, depend, depending on what the scientists say and how, you know, useful medicinal marijuana can be, is the NBA. Like, the least physical of the four major sports is the one sport that has taken this on head on. Juxtapose what Adam Silver is saying, Right? He's saying we are going to listen to the scientists and see just how helpful cannabis can be for our players. Where Roger Goodell seemingly dismisses science at every turn. You know, we, we, now full disclosure, I'm someone who doesn't smoke marijuana. But just kind of taking the temperature of, of our society and just reading, you know what I mean? Understanding, coming, accumulating knowledge. The stigma attached with marijuana, you know, the more you learn about it, you're like, okay, you know, there are some things you need to guard against. You know, my, me personally, I have like an addictive personality. So one of the reasons I don't smoke is because I'm fearful that I may actually be quick to just latch on to it. You know what I mean? So some of that has, you know, there is some self-accountability, knowing yourself, and knowing what you can and can't handle. But that's with anything. If you drink a lot of coffee, you know, you can be addicted to caffeine, alcohol, tobacco, the whole nine. The stigma with marijuana, I feel like as there's more information that comes out, we're starting to see just how silly it is. You know what I mean? Like The NFL literally will sell you alcohol. Like there's an alcohol advertisement or a slogan or any a billboard, anything. Like every 10 minutes on the NFL. And they're so staunch against marijuana. Like it doesn't make any sense. But again, back to Goodell. Goodell will reject the science at any chance. I mean, we're not that far removed from him saying the most ridiculous thing, saying, well, you know, 
inhaling smoke isn't usually good when it comes to marijuana. Think about what he's saying. That somehow taking a, a smoker tool from a jail, whatever, that you would have to inhale so much smoke that from a from marijuana that it would cause harm to your to your lungs or something. That's absurd. There's no scientific evidence to suggest that. And this was even the more kind of startling fact. I, 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 I mean, like many of you, you know, there was uh, the release of Tiger Woods and what was in his system. I want to say Monday of this week. And, you know, it was a front page story. I forget the publication, which I saw it on. But it was like Tiger Woods' mugshot. And it was like all these different, you know, uh, chemicals were in Tiger Woods' system, including, you know, marijuana. What they didn't say is, you know, Vicodin. There was all these other, and, and, you know, the opioid crisis in this country. And you just sit back and like, and you analyze what professional football players must inject themselves with dealing with all the pain. And then when you know about the opioid crisis that we are currently going, going through in this country and someone is saying, Hey, look, man, you know what? Mer you know, med medicinal marijuana. This is a, a, a legitimate, you know, option. If you're concerned for player safety, which the NFL says and swears by that they are, you would think that there would be a, a greater push to to move toward med medical marijuana. But the only reason that I can think of that they aren't is because of this false sense of morality. Like the NFL has to be the protector of all things moral in this country. And it's not. And the fact that the NBA, you know what I mean? The the third brother, the little, the youngest brother just comes through. You know, he went to you he went to Berkeley. He's all, you know, he's got the long hair, he's got the 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 skinny jeans, he's all hippie fied. And he's like, hey man, you know what? Yeah, we'll do it. As long as the science is behind it, yeah, we'll do we're open to it. How crazy is that? Like, where do we how did we get here? Where basketball the least physical of the three of the four major professional sports is basically saying, yeah, we're open to science and they're the only ones. <laughs> I mean, think of how progressive basketball is on, on a large, on, a, on almost every scale, but just this one specifically. And again, I'm not trying to tell you which sports you should like and which one you shouldn't. I'm not talking about on the play. I'm talking about the culture. Like, how did this happen? You know what I mean? Where football will shoot you up with all types of drugs. Football, like we talked about earlier, will, with the Ezekiel Elliott case, they will mess all types of investigations and, you know, dismiss evidence and all these other things that are far more important than cannabis, right? But that's where they draw the line. Baseball won't let Bryce Harper or anybody, for that matter, admire a 440 foot shot. You know what I mean? If you take too long rounding a base, they throw at your head. <laughs> Baseball will literally, they will have a pitcher throw something 90 miles an hour at your head. If you stare too long at an accomplishment, you understand, but marijuana, nah, you know, we're not ready for that. And here comes the NBA. It's just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> if the science is right, that's fascinating to me. How is it that the NBA, the NBA is the one sport that's ready to tackle this head on 
with logic. And again, this is coming from someone who doesn't smoke. I swear, man, like sports are funny. I I watch sports because I, I, I enjoy the entertainment. I enjoy playing it. You know what I mean? I appreciate the athleticism. I don't need sports to be the morality police. I don't let sports govern my household. You know, sports, they don't they don't instruct my daughter how to uh, on right and wrong and how to act in sportsmanship and all this other stuff. No, that's what I'm here for. But if you got players who who are literally questioning how healthy your sport is for their health, for their brain, and you fall back and you're super hard against marijuana, but you fall back on opioids, come on. What's really going on in this country? What's really going on with our professional leagues? I'm open for any answers. If you got them, make sure you email me at quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report at gmail.com. You can always get in touch with the show. We're at, on Twitter, excuse me, we're on Twitter at quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, show. And while you're at it, make sure you go to iTunes, subscribe to the show. It's the quarterly report. All you got to do is type in quarterly. You'll see my icon. It's my face with the coin. Click on it, subscribe, and then rate and review. Let me know what you think on the show. If there are any topics that you want me to address, let me know. This is your ops. This is your opportunity to direct the show. Be the producer. Let me know what you want me to talk about next. And I will gladly, gladly do so. All right, that's our show for this week. Hey, guys, small note, make sure on Saturday you follow the show on Twitter. Again, we're at Quarterly Show. I'm going to live tweet the big fight with Terrence Crawford. Again, it's on ESPN, top rank ESPN. Then linking up for the third time. Hopefully the third time is the charm, but this fight between Crawford and Dago should be really, really good. I'm super excited. So all my boxing heads, make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'm going to be live tweeting. And we'll have an update on the results. And unfortunately, we'll be previewing the spectacle that is Mayweather McGregor. That's all next week on the Quarterly Report. I'll see you then.